Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only, and I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com, and if you want to join all you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written published article, Who Was at the Helm? 
from 1965. It's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage Show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011. 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump. Much more. And remember, subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week. The cost is less than a beer at a bar, and you get a better buzz with, with the Savage Premium. So go to, go to glow.fm slash Savage Premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much. Welcome to the Michael Savage Podcast. I'm so glad that you joined us today. Listen, we're all living in broken times. I don't think there's a person listening to this podcast or frankly, any other podcast of any substance that doesn't know that we're living in broken times. I don't care if you're a leftist or a rightist. Maybe the left is celebrating the fact that America is broken because they broke it. But I'm not celebrating that. I'm celebrating the fact that we're going to save this nation from the left-wing communists. Make no mistake about it. The squad, Joe Biden, George Soros, and their ilk, including the media like Jake Tapper, are purposely destroying the United States of America, tearing it down, blowing it up as fast as they can. There's a reason for it. They think they're going to rebuild some ideal, beautiful world. The hell with it. Now, how did this happen? How did we permit this to happen? How did such low lives like Bernie Sanders, a lifetime bum, leech, communist, how did he wind up the head of the Senate Finance Committee? How? How is this bum who never ran a lemonade stand in charge of the national budget, where only one or two votes stands between us and a total disaster? How did this happen? It happened because of us, because we're too tolerant. We looked the other way and we said, oh, you know what? We can't do anything about it. Oh, well, there's another reason for it. Here's another question. How is it that you have animals running through the streets of New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Chicago, you name the major city, animals running through the streets, breaking into stores, robbing stores, beating up old women, pushing Asians to the ground, punching them in the face, spitting in the face of police. How did this happen? You saw a picture last week of a little three-year-old kid, a child in diapers trying to beat up a cop. The cops, by the way, were African-Americans. They were sent there to arrest a murderer. The child looked just like the father with the same posture, the hands back, spitting at the cop, calling them names, calling him bitch. In diapers, the country is going to face this for 50 years. How did it happen? Well, it happened in many ways. And I would say it started when they took the Ten Commandments off the walls of our schools. Now, hold on now. You see, gee, that's simplistic. You're wrong. Call it simplistic if you want. When I was young, and that was a long time ago, admittedly, and I wasn't religious, I went to a public school in the Bronx. Every schoolroom had Ten Commandments, the Bible's Ten Commandments on the walls. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not th do this. Thou shalt honor thy mother and thy father. Now, we don't learn in this school. As I said, I went to a public school in the Bronx, New York. Kids tend to drift off while they're in school, and they look at things that are on the wall. We had the Ten Commandments and the American flag to look at. Now they look at Johnny as two mommies, or put on your skirt, and get on your hands and knees in an animal outfit. 
Take a look at what we have in the Health and Human Services Department, that freak that Biden put in there. A freak, a 60-year-old man in a dress and a skirt with his freak friend appearing at the French embassy, dressed up like two freaks in a Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey show. This country right now is under a senile Mussolini where the radical left, insane people are running the country. But let's go back to the issue of when did the country start to unravel. In my opinion, it's when they took the Ten Commandments out of the schools. Then we have to add in the horrible situation of the molestation of boys by priests in the Catholic Church. And a lot of people stopped going to church. They had no faith in the church. They should have lost faith in some of the priests, not in the church. Then you had the liberal synagogues becoming nothing but churches without crosses. So many Jews lost their way. You don't even hear God anymore in these reformed churches. You don't really hear much about God in reformed synagogues. It's just mumbling and ritual. I call them bagels and lox Jews. So in other words, when religion was removed from our schools, when religion was removed from our uh, liberal churches, when religion was turned into something other than religion and a worship of God, when the Protestant churches were largely taken over by radical leftists, leftists be they lesbians or gays or communists, who are now aping the words of priests, that is what you have. You want me to tell you what I think? This is what I think. I know maybe it makes you uncomfortable. Maybe you're going to get mad at me to hear what I'm telling you. But I'm telling you again, once you take away the Ten Commandments and you say anything goes, and you have the mumbo-jumbo and the gibberish, you have America in decline, a collapsed America. So I ask you, my loyal listeners, mainly those who subscribe to the Savage Nation, to the Michael Savage podcast, those who pay the monthly fee, those who get a chance to communicate with me directly because I ask them questions. I ask them, is religion still relevant in America? And I got some very interesting replies, which I'm going to read to you right here on the Savage Nation podcast. Michael Savage, a host like no other. And now we turn to you, the listener, for listener comments on the Michael Savage podcast. The question being, of course, is religion still relevant? And here are some of the comments from the people who have become members of the Michael Savage special club for the price of a beer, one beer a month. So we communicate. I ask them questions or they send me comments. Andrew Weidman writes the following. Is religion still relevant? Andrew writes, I believe it is for most later in life. The issue with organized religion for most is the excesses and corruption brought about by mainstream religion. This has allowed the Marxists to use these past transgressions to corrupt the morality of the youth, to bring about the feel-good pleasure that you have talked a lot about in the past. After one grows and matures, out of a life of no morality, they find their way back to religion. The ones that do not are forever lost. That's well put, Andrew. Very well put. This comes to us from Howard Duncan. Religion is not relevant for the majority of Americans, especially the younger generation. However, I have faith and I do believe in God and I hope our country can survive the onset of secularism put forth by the left. Yeah, good luck. There are so many good comments. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of people have written me great stuff. 
Here's a long one uh, from David White. That is a great question, but a complicated one. And he tells us he was raised Catholic. And he says, as I aged and acquired more wisdom, I gradually distanced myself from the church. And he says, the main reason is that in my diocese in particular, it was common to transfer priests to cover up sexual abuse allegations. The bishop was even charged and I believe convicted of arranging uh, the moves and cover up. He says, I've, I realize this is a small percentage of priests and in no way indicative of the good work done by the vast majority. However, I would always think to myself, I go to mass, throw a 20 in the collection and it is going to the scumbags top flight legal defense. I couldn't justify, boy, is this good. Also, I believe the current Pope Benedict XVI is truly an agent of forces that want a world that I don't want to be a part of. I could go on about him for a while, but you've already covered a lot of it in your shows. He says, at the end of the day, I love Jesus Christ and I love peace with my fellow man and the po power of forgiveness. For me, the Catholic Church as a whole does good for people, but is also so corrupt that I do not want to be part of it. Thank you for soliciting my thoughts on this David W. Missouri. Isn't this amazing? Can you believe how beautiful this is, what people themselves have to say? This is better than talk radio because I get a chance to read their comments without an ad breaking into their head. Uh, let's see. Uh, there are so many others. I will read the, the ones that Karen, who was part of the Savage Team, collected for us. Is religion still relevant? John B. says, yes, religion is still relevant. People change, culture changes, nations change names, nations rise and fall. New fad religions and cults are born. God remains the same. God is as relevant as ever and always will be. The opinions of people will not change God. And he goes on. Michael Savage seeks truth on air or in his podcasts and in books. And this truth seeking is a beacon of light leading others to the truth, to God. When Michael Savage speaks from the heart and follows his heart, it's an act of worshiping God because God loves the truth. Savage lives with the heart of two people, himself and his brother, Jerome. Boy, I don't know how people remember this. William writes as a strong atheist. I have changed my mind over the last couple of years how important a good religious mindset is, especially Christianity. I love living in a Christian country. We are considering joining a church to expose our kids to it and hope they eventually outgrow it but retain the values that's interesting daniel says i believe religion is relevant as it is constantly under attack by the left if it was not relevant it would be ignored stephanie says religion is as important today as it was 40 years ago and 2000 years ago man needs meaning god gives us meaning and the ten commandments tell us how to treat one another that's very interesting mark says religion like ice cream is always relevant it's our tastes that change throughout our years. That's a good one. Phyllis says, I believe religion is still relevant, more so now than ever before. We've been seeing on the news that our own government, along with other global governments, are aiming to render their own citizens defenseless in order to destroy them. This is both frightening and infuriating. Where can we both comfort where can we get both comfort and courage if not from our faith? Well, let me add one other point here before I read other comments if I can get around to them. I remember asking a very orthodox rabbi, a nice guy, very fun guy, if God is so all-powerful, why does he need us to worship him? And rabbi 
Citroen, his name was, said to me with a smile, God doesn't need us to worship him. We need to worship God. And a bell went off in my head. I have to repeat that again. If I said it before, forgive me. It's not God who needs us to worship him. It's we need to worship God. Otherwise, look what we have. We have the Hollywood idiots who pretend that they're all powerful, all of whom are drug addicts or sex addicts or some other kind of addicts who wind up broken, collapsed people while putting on the airs of perfectly strong people because they worship no one but their own image. That's all I have to say right now. I'll be right back. This is the Michael Savage Podcast. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. Well, here are some more comments from some of my brilliant followers or listeners or subscribers or members, however you want to put it. Robert Millett says, when I asked, again, the question is, is religion still relevant? I ask for a reason. You don't hear much about it anymore, do you? Robert Millett writes, Dr. Savage, it depends on your definition of religion. People are always looking for something to follow, some movement based on powerful beliefs. Well, I remember the book, The True Believer by Eric Hoffer. That certainly confirms it. Some people follow movements rather than a religion. The movement becomes the religion. So he goes on, he says, the feels good do it crowd mocks God and classical old world religion as they desire to live without imposing underlying moral judgment. Mm. Yet they follow cult-like, unfounded so-called science, such as radical environmentalism, and demand all follow their new moral code while casting their own judgment on non-believers. Whether it's climate deniers, mask deniers, sexual identity deniers, their own labels of the non-followers indicate rabid zealousness of a cult-like religion. Recent products of this cult are mass shooters from far-left circles, Uvalde, Buffalo, Highland Park. These are modern crusaders of the irreligious left as a new religion itself, 100% right. He goes on, anti-God, anti-Christ, pro-science, often man's glorification of himself through his own terms, pro-pedo, minor attracted individual, pro-mental sex change elementary schools, and they are willing not only to judge you based on the new moral code, but desire to re-educate or kill you en masse if you oppose them. The seeds of diversity have grown disciples of division, socialism's social schism. God bless, says Robert Miller. Yeah, sadly true. There are so many other great comments, and I don't mean to disrespect you if you have written me. When I have hundreds of them, I just have to almost randomly uh, pick them out. Steve Gendel writes this. Religion is still relevant to those who believe that there is a great spirit. Well, that's true. That's true. Sounds, as you have pointed out, narcissists abound. And religion is still relevant to those who believe that there is a great spirit. Sounds trite, doesn't it? As you have pointed out, narcissists abound. By definition, religion would not be relevant to them. The ritual of tefillin that you did a YouTube on connects our tribe, meaning the Jewish tribe, to God daily. Similarly, Muslims are called to pray, our Catholics pray the rosary. I enjoyed your presentation of the ritual to all of us, and as others might feel, it was a window into one man's soul. That's a good thing. That came from Stephen Gendel. 
I don't know where to begin and where to end. I mean, there's so many I could go on for hours, and I know that we don't have time for it. Aaron Sam writes, yes, truth is timeless. Well, that's succinct. When I said, is religion still relevant? That's, that's a succinct one. So if you want to comment, I have hundreds of these. This is like talk radio, but better, because we have a chance to actually discuss this without the interruption of ads in the middle of them. Savage is very relevant to everyone I know, Dr. Savage. I'm in my 70s and live in northeastern Washington state. God and Jesus keep us from becoming thugs and to obey laws. <laughs> Hang in there. Make sure your powder is dry. That's all I can say. Here's another comment that just came in from Kevin Pine. He says, Michael, I really miss your old show in San Francisco. To me, you were like the Herb Cain of radio. Actually, I take that as an insult. I didn't like her. But he says this. Relevant? He said, depends on the religion. My religion is still relevant, but of course I'm biased. You can tell a lot about a race of people by the religions they create. Some Stone Age Aborigine cultures had brutal beliefs, such as the North American Plains Indians. They believed that the longer they tortured you, the more power their souls would absorb from your soul. Ugh. That's why we had to tame the Indians. The first early civilized cultures, Egypt, Aztec, Mayan, Incan, also had brutal religions. Fortunately, as man evolved northward, his religions became less harsh. Love thy neighbor, turn the other cheek. Never would have happened in the badlands of Persia. Rome grabbed early Christianity and made it its own because the followers were more passive. They needed passive at that time. I believe souls are energy generated by brains. Any creature with a brain has some spark of a soul. God is one and God is many. Souls are like water. Pour a bunch of cups into a big pitcher. pitcher. And this isn't God's first planet. He's done this hundreds of times. See you in God, said Michael. Teddy will be there too, Kevin Pine. You know, sometimes I think my listeners are not people. I think that they're spirits or God himself speaking to me. Well, we have many of these, and you could see where we're going with this, how good they are. We've had a Jewish people write us, Christian people write us. I'm sure that there's a Muslim in here somewhere, but I haven't found one yet. Marinka Tevich says God is always relevant. And these are coming from people who are members of the Savage uh, Exclusive Club, who get the podcast without ads and also special treats once a week, such as, and we can answer and question and answer each other, which is amazing, right? As I say, before I summarize, by the way, in this, you know, I, I, I hope I'm not being too preachy in plain English, you know, is, is uh, religion still relevant? Is it only for old people? I don't know. Do young people need religion? I don't know. Look at the rehab centers. Mainly young people, isn't it? Because they have nothing to believe in. You say, what does it have to do with it? Directly related. When you have nothing to believe in and there's no moral judgment, you'll do anything. You'll sleep with a dog, for God's sakes. People become animals, lower than animals. The beatings, the murders, the, the rampant sexuality, the monkeypox that is ra ra rampaging through the homosexual community. What, shall I mince words on that one again? Again, want to be afraid of it thrown off the air again? No, there's a relationship. Ray Gallus writes, yes, one must believe in some higher form. Otherwise, we have violence in society writ large. 
and I believe in public execution for those who use guns to take a life with exceptions of self-defense. Boy, I, I don't know. Maybe I'll do a little more later, but that's it for now on the Michael Savage podcast. And I hope you don't think this is too preachy, but there's a limit to what we can say about politics without looking at why we have the politics that we have. And the why is related to the fact that we have lost our moral compass. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Here we are. And now I want to play you a special Savage Team meeting. That is the team that works to make you the podcast that you've come to love. That would be Ryan, Doug, and Karen, or Karen, Doug, and Ryan, or Doug, Ryan, and Karen. And we got together to discuss my book, God, Faith, and Reason. Hold on now. What happened was... I switched it to a bigger topic, which is, is religion still relevant, which is a much bigger question. Well, good morning, Team Savage. I'm sorry I'm late. I overslept. Brian did a wellness check. He came to the house. He didn't know. Normally, I'm up at four in the morning worrying about everything or three, pacing the floor, looking at the news. Today, it was a quarter to 10 and the meeting was scheduled. He came racing over, called everyone. So he heard me sleeping through the door. So he, he thought that an Ivana Trump had happened, that I fell down the stairs or something. He found me at the bottom of the stairs. Fortunately, neither happened because there's no stairs in the house, number one. But I want to thank Ryan for worrying about me so much. Did you actually hear me snoring? I did, yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, that's nice to hear. I was in deep sleep. So I guess it's better than silence. The sound of silence. Yeah. So here's the story for today. We were going to talk about the website, the subscribers who pay for the site and how to give them more stuff. So they love us more to get new people to make sure we keep being able to do it. And then we were going to do a little discussion of my book, God, Faith and Reason. We we're going to shift gears completely from politics. So we thought. So I flip open my book, God, Faith and Reason. Which was published in because I don't remember the year. Book. Anyone have any book with Was it 2017? That's it? It seems like an eternity ago. I don't know why there's no date on this. 2017, isn't that something? And um, I find this, flipping the pages. I love to flip pages and see where the cards open up. And it's about Donald Trump. Listen to this. And I'm, then I'm gonna, I swear I'm going to do a religion, not. I'm going to do politics. Let's not forget winning elections has yielded disappointing results before. We thought we had accomplished something when we sent conservatives to Washington in three straight elections from 2010 to 2014. And what happened? We were stabbed in the back by John Boehner and Mitch McConnell. Boehner may be gone, but McConnell is still there along with a bunch of other rhinos and sellouts. They have done it to us before, and I don't want them to be allowed to do it again. If I must again be the only one out there willing to stand up and take the chance of having the Donald Trump camp reject me, cast me out from Eden, I must live with that. So if I'm going to live in Nod, I'll live in Nod. I lived here my whole life. I'll stay here. I didn't expect to be invited into the Garden of Eden for supporting Donald Trump. And if I'm cast out because I dare criticize the president and the RNC, so be it. I've wandered in the desert. I'll continue to wander in the desert. It's that simple. And then I flip to page 150. I'm the one conservative who hasn't forgotten why we sent Donald Trump to Washington. 
It's not enough simply to have him in the White House throwing tweet bombs at the media. We sent them there to restore our borders, language and culture. We need the wall built, the military restored, the economy repaired with fair trade deals that put America first and ISIS destroyed. Let me pause right there. He did some of that. Let's give him credit where credit is due. He destroyed ISIS. He put America first economically. He restored the economy. He restored the military. He did not build a wall. Remember what I said. If we get 10% of what he promises, given the situations and given the fact that he's a politician, it'll be 110% more than we get from Hillary Clinton. I then went on and said, we've sent congressmen to Washington for six years trying to make a difference. And the swamp dwellers in Washington have stabbed them in the back and spat in our faces. I don't want them to do it to us again and think they can get away with it because we're not going to do anything about it. There are millions of us who will do something. Well, yeah, right. Look what happened to the few thousand who did something. Look what they did to them. That's what I want everyone to understand. Our battle is just beginning. Thank God Trump took Mattis out of retirement. He's really going to scare hell out of you know who. The liberals are going to run like rats off a ship out of the military. Maybe he'll reappoint all the people in the military Obama purged in Stalinist fashion. But even Mattis has a lot of work ahead of him. Sadly, I will stop right here because it didn't happen after the minute after Trump left. They destroyed the military. It's now become left wing LGBTQ gangsters who have purged the military of any dignity and honor and are now making it impossible to recruit young, healthy, red blooded American men. I then wrote something interesting, which is a good segue into God, Faith, and Reason. Uh, it was about a caller who called my radio show at the time. The caller said even more than he realized, yes, it may have been God's will that Trump won the election, but God didn't vote for us. He didn't reach into the minds of people about to vote for Hillary and zap their minds to change them into Trump voters. Neither did the Russians, by the way. No. The people had to make that decision themselves. They had to decide to vote for Trump and go back to church themselves. God gave us everything we need to do the right thing. He gave us the ability to reason. He gave us dominion over an entire planet. He gave us an innate right, sense of right and wrong. But he's not going to wave his hand and make everything right after we here on Earth have screwed it up. We're going to have to do it ourselves. For my part, I'm going to continue to do what I have done for three decades. I'm going to keep giving you my analysis of the latest, latest news. I'm going to use my large platform to let Donald Trump know we're with him against the forces of evil, that we support his fight to take America back. And I'm going to speak up when he strays from the path, as I did when he bombed Syria or when he allowed his Twitter feuds to get his presidency off track. Let me pause right there. That's what did him in with the independent women voters. Nobody could take it anymore. I went on to say a true supporter lets you know when you're straight off course. I'm a true supporter of Trump and his message because it was my message before it was Trump's. Well, I guess I should finish this up with besides what did I expect for having back Trump? I didn't expect anything. I didn't want a job, nor do I want one now. I can't work in a bureaucracy. I'm not moving anywhere. This is what I meant to do, which is to broadcast the right books. So the umbrella I brought to take to the inauguration will be auctioned off on eBay one day. It did not go to the inauguration, and I don't expect it to go to future State of the Union addresses either. I will auction it off and give the money to a charity for veterans 
it'll probably bring in a lot of money. Well, I never went to the inauguration because I wasn't invited. I wasn't part of the in crowd. Uh, let's see. Da, da, da. I'm going to try to restore some semblance of Western civilization. Good luck, Michael. But it's not what's most important to me in the end. Moses never made it into the promised land, but he knew his people were going to make it. I can certainly forego making it into the United Kingdom if I can leave knowing my people are going to achieve their promised land after I move on. Well, I hope I don't move on for quite a while, even though I have chills running down my feet right now. And that leads us to the book itself, God, Faith and Reason. So in the front page, I see stuff that I wrote and put in there. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. That's an old statement. These wildings in our streets, fear not God nor the law. There are zero consequences. I can't believe I wrote this. Liberal DAs funded by the tyrannical billionaire George Soros. I don't even know when that was written. So this book has an interesting history to it, which I won't bore you with. I'll just say it simply. I wanted to do a quote God book as a service to God after I had a string of bestsellers with uh, Hachette, with my then editor, Kate Hartson, who's since been fired. They eliminated her whole division of conservative books. She had more bestsellers than anyone, and they fired her. They got rid of her because the woke girls who took over the company did not want to publish any conservative books, if you can believe this. And so I said at the time, I said, I just want to do a God book before I do the next, you know, political book. So I did this. And it was a collection of different writings of mine over the years, going all the way back into journals and stories. And uh, it's a snapshot. I'm not an academic. I'm not a theologian. And the jacket copy says, Savage provides something more akin to an ancient mystery text. Drawing on Christian, Jewish, Buddhist, and other spiritual sources, as well as autobiographical material and highlights from his radio show, Savage shares a series of glimpses of God he has experienced over the whole of his life before and after his groundbreaking radio career. Moving Childhood Stories is Dinner with an Atheist and a Buddhist, an interview with a Jewish gangster, and Savage's reflections on select passages from ancient scriptures are just a few of the eclectic group of experiences and insights Savage shares in this unique book. From his days as a boy growing up in New York City to many years searching for healing plants in the South Seas, to his current incarnation as one of the most popular radio hosts in the world, well, no longer true. I'm a podcaster, very popular one at that. Savage has been haunted by glimpses of the divine and struggled to find their meaning. God, Faith, and Reason presents the reader with one man's perceptions and consideration of the daily presence of God in the world around us and how the search to find God is the finding itself. And I'll stop right there, the finding itself. Let me at this stage put you people in the hot seat. Does anyone want to comment on anything in the book that you may have seen jump out at you? Well, thank you for that cooperation. Uh, Karen, go ahead. Okay. I was curious because you talked a little bit about how your parents were not exactly religious, right? Um, I was curious if you, A, you mentioned about bar mitzvahs. If you yourself, if you had a bar mitzvah, and I was also curious, like, did your parents grow up religious and leave the faith? It's a great question. 
The answer is yes. Um, I, well, I, we're, yes, I had a bar mitzvah. We were poor in the Bronx, but they saved the money and put on a little, actually quite a nice one. You know, I went to the local reform temple where they belong. They would only go on high holidays. And uh, I remember practicing for it. I was scared to death because I was not very good at Hebrew. It's a very difficult language. And they gave me a record. If you can believe in an actual record that you played at a record player, which had my prayer that I had to read. What a boy does in his bar mitzvah is read the portion of the Torah that day as the, the, the wise older men can do. They, every day there's a portion of the Torah. To this day, I remember the opening line because I played that record a thousand times until I remembered it. My shaky little voice. Va Yosef o David. It means something about Joseph and God. And Joseph and David. Va Yosef o David. Joseph and David. That's all I remember is the singing. Va Yosef o David. Blah, blah, blah. And here's something interesting. Can you see this little white Bible? This prayer book? My grandmother, my Russian grandmother, who never spoke a word of English, lived with us in the early days in that little apartment. She was an atheist. Um, she didn't have any faith so far as I know, but she, was, she gave me this Bible, which I've carried with me all these years in different I don't know how I still have it. And sometimes before a TV show, I go on and I read the afternoon prayer to myself to get, gain some strength. People don't realize I do have human emotions before a TV show, and I have to collect my emotions and my feelings. And I have since been you. I'm just, here it is, this little leather-bound book. So, yeah, there are pictures of me doing this standing in the Christian world. It's the communion, right? And um, I suppose every religion has a rite of passage for young children. In, 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 you know, with us, it's bar and bar mitzvah. I don't know what it is with Buddhists or Hindus or Muslims or Catholics. What do the Catholics do? First Holy Communion. Well, they do First Holy Communion and then Confirmation. When about the same oh, as about they're an age? Um, yeah, I think it's um, seven for First Holy Communion, uh, about that age. And then Confirmations around 12 12 years old, 13. Lenny Bruce, the great comedian, if you want to call him that, the social satirist said, eventually Judaism will die out because you have to learn a foreign language to be Jewish. I was very funny. <laughs> I mean, to do a communion, you don't have to learn a foreign language. You could just read it in your own language. Of course, with the level of education today, I don't know if boys can even read English anymore. Doug, any comments on the book, God, Faith and Reason, before I go on and bore people with some reading? Yeah. <laughs> uh one of the one of the parts that really stuck with me, you know, from even the beginning of the book, you mentioned it a couple of times, uh, reading a small book called Peace of Mind. Um, oh, peace about of how, mind. yeah, how the the writer says God is omnipresent, not omnipotent, so we can make our own choices, and and basically, you know, we have to accept the fact that we are flawed beings. And once you take that step, it, it, it changes everything. You mean that God is not all powerful over every little breath we take? Correct. It was Rabbi, uh, he was, a, um, uh, we found the book 40 years ago. And I forget the title of it. Where he said, God is 
omnipresent but not omnipotent. And if you believed if God was omnipotent, he would no longer be religious. He'd give up his religion because of the horrible things that happen in the world. In other words, you know, my friend's cat got run over and his children are crying for two days. God didn't have the cat run over. Uh, his illegal alien neighbor's workers ran the cat over and ran away. It wasn't God. So he said, how do you explain it to children? Tell them bad shit happens in the world for no reason. So, yeah, I, I hear you. So that keeps you going? Yeah, I mean, because growing, growing up, something bad would happen. You always wonder, you know, how can God let this happen? If there is an all-powerful God, why does he let children die? Why, does, why, why do people you love have to disappear? Hmm. And that's... Well, you know, it raises the next question. If he's not omnipotent, what good is he? In other words, so what? And why do I pray to him? Why did I do a, a YouTube thing on tefillin, the wrapping of the tefillin the other day? I will tell you this, it gave me tremendous power and strength. So I said I tapped into the higher energy. You look at the Native Americans, they talked about the great spirit in the sky. They lived here for 20,000 years before, you know, the colonists arrived. They had a spiritual connection to the great spirit. How many times have we seen their connections to the animal spirits, the spirits? The Buddhists are chanting to what? I don't. To the Buddha. Who's Buddha? God, who's Buddha? You're not a Buddhist. What is it? Who is Buddha? Some fat guy that lived in China? Who is he? Teacher that found enlightenment. Is, is he a concept or was there a Buddha? Uh, it, it strongly believed there was a Buddha. There was a Buddha. Yeah. Like we believe there was a Jesus. Do we know there was a Jesus? Is this blasphemy to ask? You have to have faith. I put on a piece very innocently on how to wrap to fill, and then I talked about what it meant to me and what it meant. You should see the stuff that people put on there. The bigotry is frightening. And I mean from Christians. I don't mean I expect it from the lunatics, but there are Christians with Jesus is the way this is this is uh, uh, evil. I said, I'm not doing this to convert anybody. I'm trying to explain to you a ritual of a people and what it means. Think of it as anthropology. Now, there are many people who understood that they never understood what it meant and they got a lot out of it. But the bigots the so-called Jesus is the way you don't need anything more. Jesus is the only way. This is the kind of small mindedness and bigotry that is so dangerous, dangerously afoot in America right now. And I hear it from intelligent people who are running like fire from the Republican Party because they're afraid that they've been taken over by the evangelicals who want to convert everybody to only one view, which is Christianity. There's a lot of that going on right now. And you see it even when you post a thing that has nothing to do with that, you know. So you talk about we were going to talk about God, faith and reason today, and we are. And it is tied into politics because I know very intelligent people. I'll say it again, who I argue with on the phone. I don't have a lot of people I talk to. I mean, one of the top people in the media who is Jeff's absolutely a, he, he, he has an aversion to Republicans because of their unity with the, the evangelicals. I said, who do you prefer, the anarchists in the street? He said, it's not either or. He said, it's not one or the other.
Ryan, any comments on this stuff? I mean, I went to, my parents sent me to a Catholic school from kindergarten up until seventh grade. A lot of good yeah. you. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> well, they put me through hell at the Catholic school. Let's put it that way. Um, the nuns wrap your knuckles with that. We Jewish kids heard nuns wrap the knuckles with rulers. No, that was in my dad's time, not in mine. They any physical contact, there probably could have been a decent lock. <laughs> um, but you know, between having teachers that were just, it just they didn't have the presence of any sort of religious being in them they and the high school that i was supposed to go to after marin catholic i guess had some priests that were doing some terrible things to the students um i kind of lost my way but one thing yeah, that let me ask you about that because it's it's a kind of a well-established cultural phenomenon of priests and boys uh was it happening did you hear about it from other boys no i, I well i had heard about it through my father who went to um, that school. I don't know if I should say it on the, on the air, but um, at his time, one of the uh, priests was screwing around with students that he was with. And then later years as well. And I think he got taught uh, long after my dad was out of high school. And I think after I was in high school. Um, but when I heard that and it just, it, it made me feel like it was almost like there was no God in these mm. cathedrals. You know, it was these mm. people that are preaching the word of God are going behind the scenes and practicing the devil's work. <laughs> and it was just, to me, it didn't, I think it kind of turned me off on the whole idea of an organized religion thing. But with that being said, I've lived and I've tried to live my whole life based on what the 10 commandments are. And I think that that's something that should be ingrained in everyone because I feel like those just almost 10 rules of life would help everyone either get along, treat others well, not commit acts against, you know, your neighbor or your family or your friends or enemies even. So I, I learned a lot about how to treat people and the world, but at the same time, I kind of fell off the, the wagon of being a good Christian. Yeah, but you're a good time. person. You work. With yeah, I think I think it helped mold. Ten years, and uh, I know you to be a very, very fine person in terms of the most important stuff. I think it helped mold Honestly me in loyalty and things like that. I mean, you can't learn that from a book, Ryan. You know where that come from in you? Is it from your teachings or from within you? That's an interesting question. Is it you know nature nurture? Do you need religion to be a good person, or is it inherent in us? Is man inherently bad as the Catholics teach you that man is inherently evil? I think so, because the way that the world <laughs> is going, it seems like people are becoming more inherently bad, whether it be. I mean, there's tons of examples, whether it's school shootings or violence in the streets or, you know, punching some old person walking down the street. I just think that's related to no more religion in our schools, no more Ten Commandments on the walls of the schools, because kids tend to drift off in school and their eyes would go up and look at the wall. And there were always the Ten Commandments when I was a kid in public school. It, it, it sticks in your head. Yeah. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Blah, blah, blah. Take right. a look at the animals in the streets now. Right. No father. The mother's a junkie or whatever. And, and the kid right. is an animal. Lower than an animal. Yeah. Between the school and, you know, my dad was a 
he was a cop at the time. I just, I guess it was my entire childhood trying to, you know, whether it was my parents or the school trying to teach me how to treat others. And maybe that stuck. And it was for, it was, may have worked. It may have been in me, who knows, but I learned a lot from religion and um, some of it scared me away from it, the organized part of it, but also some of the teachings, it's not, it's not a bad thing to listen to some of these teachings. I go to, you know, I've gone to church as an adult with my dad. Um, and, you know, the, some of the things that I hear coming from the priest, some of the readings, some of the sermons, it's all positive. And it tells you basically how to be positive when things are negative. So I might not have a cross on my wall and I might not pray before I go to bed, but at the same time, I try and be the best person I can be. And I, I think we get you for your birthday, a cross and a, a Catholic Bible and a prayer necklace. Get you some beads. That was very nice. Ryan just opened his heart. We can edit it all out because he makes, I don't want anyone to hear any. Yeah, perfect. Please edit that out. All of it. <laughs> Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. I want to jump into the book for one second and, and then the next person talk. Um, what I'm trying to get at is that none of us last forever. Oh, boy, this is more appropriate five years later, like now. There's an hourglass. You turn an hourglass upside down and you watch the sand trickle through. Well, in my case, and I'm not trying to pull a tearjerker on you, there's more sand on the bottom than there is on the top. There was a time when there was more sand on the top than on the bottom, and I thought I had unlimited time to do everything. I don't. No one does. What I'm saying to you is I've just knocked another ball out of Yankee Stadium. It's called Trump's War. That became a New York Times bestseller, by the way. What more do I need? What more do I need to prove to myself or anyone else? I began as a writer. Fundamentally, that's what I am. But behind the writer, there's something else. But this is very important for you to know. I'm reading from the book. When I was down and out 40 years ago, that was 40 years before this, I had to go down to the core of my being and reach out to the man upstairs, to put it colloquially, and I had to ask him to save me. It didn't happen like a boom went off or a lightning struck or Charlton Heston appeared in my living room with a ticket to heaven. I had to keep asking for it, and it took me 20 years to climb out of that hole. See, God helps those who help themselves. He doesn't give you anything. By reaching out to God, maybe you can help yourselves. I don't always practice what I preach. For example, I occasionally eat high-fat cheese, <laughs> even though I've written health books. Once a year, I'll eat a hot dog. Twice a year, I'll eat a steak, even though I know it's poison for me. I know it. We all do things we know aren't good for us, but we do them anyway. It's the same spiritually, right? And uh, I can read more from the book at another time. And the fact is, is that what else is there? Who, who do you call out to in a time of need? What's the old saying? Even an atheist prays to God in a foxhole, something like that. We all find ourselves at some point in a foxhole, sick or whatever. I, I, I had a, suffered a heart attack a few years ago, and I've been living under that sort of Democles ever since. It's like every night swinging back and forth, you know. I'm waiting for it to cut my head off. 
it's very hard. It's a PTSD thing. I mean, many of you have suffered illnesses and are suffering through it. And it's a whole show that we have to do one day on how to deal with severe illness or catastrophic illness. How do you get up the next day and how do you get it out of your mind? How do you go on uh, without asking you to divulge what you're living through? Because I know some of it. Somehow you go on and you try to put your mind onto other things, which is the whole key. I don't have a dog anymore. Teddy died this year in November. You know, I don't even have a dog to hold on to. I, I, I am freaked out over this. But what I'm saying is the other day I picked up those tefillin recently and I started to take a ritual from my own religion that no one in my family has ever done. My father never did this. He was an atheist. Poor dad didn't believe in anything. He was a Russian immigrant, came here at six, struggled very hard. You know, had his heart attacks and died young. But uh, he was really cynical. You talk about where my cynicism comes from. I mean, a little kid asked his father, Dad, does God exist? What happens when we die? He would look at me and say, he said, nothing happens when we die. You could throw me in a garbage can. Do you know what that did to me? To this day, thinking of my poor father in a garbage can? I, think of the imagery of a little boy asking his father, does God exist? What happens after we die? And he says, nothing. You could throw me in a garbage can. <laughs> it's funny. It would be nice in a movie. You'd laugh at the line and say, that's funny. But holy God, what an image. I could never get it out of my mind. My poor father, like, rolled up in a garbage can. Well, I hope he's found peace and he's in heaven. And he died in 1970. been quite a while. Uh, what does happen? Do we know if there's another life? You all face these questions. I hate to bum you out. You're younger than I am. But, um, I mean, we could end this right now because in a few minutes we're all going to run away screaming like with, the, you know, Freddie masks on. Um, anybody want to make any other comments about God, faith, and reason, fate, uh, faith, uh, religion, the book? How about the book? Let's focus. Did anyone find anything in the book that you think is worthy of quotation that I might read later on? Again, the... The book, to me, was a lot more, I was expecting something different, I guess. With a name like God, Faith, and Reason, you're expecting to be hit over the head with religion. And the book wasn't that at all to me. It was, you know, it brought up more questions in me while I was reading it than you were actually I don't even know if you've meant to do that. Um, just the fact in a, the chapter was uh, God and nature. You wrote that uh, the reason you wrote the book was to get closer to God. And that, that, that struck, that struck a tone with me because like, like you said, this, the search for the answer to the question is the answer means more. The search is the answer. Yeah. Because people say, well, why, if God exists, why don't we know who he is? Why can't we see him? You see, b before the idea of an invisible God, people worship stones, the sun, right? Rocks, little effigies. It's a beautiful Mesoamerican piece. I don't even know. My cousin gave it to me 50 years ago. I don't even know what it, it looks like. It's from Guatemala carved out of clay it's pretty beautiful it's a deity right i mean it's an effigy rather 
So, when you have an invisible God, you're screaming all the time, God, where are you? What's the purpose of having an invisible God? Why did he leave us on this earth without appearing? Well, the Christians would say he did appear in the form of Jesus, and he was crucified, he died for our sins, which to me, I'm going to be honest with you, it's alien to me. I don't understand that. And let's say he died for, for the sins of others. How could he die for the sins of people who come after him? How does that make sense? And I, here's the, I don't understand how Catholics or Christians can deny the reality of religion or God for the other religions. I had this argument with, who was that um, great evangelist? Gary Fowler. Oh. Gary Fowler, we argued. It's a great, Doug, you should try to find that great piece, maybe included in this podcast. When Jerry Falwell was alive, he was on my radio show, and we argued over this. I, I was actually offended because he said only, only Christians can go to heaven. And I got as offended. I said, wait a minute. There are like billions of people on the earth. So you're saying all the Hindus, all the Muslims, all the Jews can't go to heaven? And he said, basically, no, the only way is to become a Christian, which is so evangelical in that regard. I was offended by it because it denies all the other people on the earth, they're due on this earth and in heaven. And I don't believe God would do that. Yeah, well, I'm well, sorry. Go ahead. I believe that one animal species has supremacy over others. To me, a water plant has divinity as much as a lion in many ways. God created all of this amazing world of ours. And I don't think that the lion has any more divinity than, than, than my dog Teddy, for example. Any more, what, only lions have the right to live, not dogs? That's what he was saying, is that we Christians are lions, everyone else is a dog. I, it was awful. I think that's a huge problem with religion, too. What, my way or no way? That creates tension between religions, as we've seen. In no, there's been wars, wars. There's centuries, religious wars, right? Right. Uh, look what the Muslims are doing in Africa right now, killing Christians. Right. They're the only ones still conducting a holy, a religious war are the Muslims. And that kind of goes against the whole religion aspect anyway. I mean, it's, don't tell that to, to Joe Biden. <laughs> don't I didn't even mean to mention. Uh, that. I have always found it fascinating that regardless of where People who lived in, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years ago that every pretty much every single human being has all found some sort of faith, some sort of God that they believe in. And it's impossible, obviously, in this life to know who's right or who's wrong or who's going to heaven or, or what. But I, I, I always have found it fascinating that whether it's Buddha, you know, Buddha or, you know, Muhammad or you know, Jesus it's it's pretty fascinating that the entire world has somehow all been connected with religion in some sort of way without used to say you've got to believe in something that's how she was she was very very basic about it all she wasn't a religious woman but she on friday nights lit the candles and i remember the feeling of calm i would get when i would see those beautiful candles i didn't even know what it meant but it marked the beginning of the sabbath uh so that beauty that emanated through the household from the ritual of lighting those sabbath candles sticks with me to this day i don't do it anymore but i did that's it's, it's every everyone needs some religion and some religious rituals i think to 
survive as a full human being. I personally believe that. Let me sort of conclude with a page I just found called Lotus from the Muck, page 117 of God, Faith, and Reason. I began as a Buddhist, formless, I wrote. I don't know. I, I wasn't a Buddhist, but I'm just right. I mean, that's what I wrote. I began as a Buddhist, formless, in time, shaped as I was by my parents, my sister, even by my sacrificed brother, Jerome. Jewish, quote-unquote, became my identity as a cultural being. But what was this religion I belonged to? Was it merely candles flaming me to sleep on Friday eves like two golden rails if you quietly drifted off in your father's lap, squinting up long enough to distort the twin flames? Was it great festive meals once or twice a year, the women cooking seemingly forever, great filling dishes that I now know to be dreadfully unhealthful? Was it a cheap blue suit with other boys in like outfits, walking to synagogue on our atonement day, dodging the goyim who chased us with nylon stockings filled with powdered chalk, swinging their mother's discarded skins to defile our once a year best and tell us we were Jews? Defined so by others, I grew up Jewish or so I thought. Coming upon myself some 40 years into life's endlessness, approaching my own cherished boy's initiation into his people, and again, reevaluating my life as a Jew, I will found religion to be the least important facet of the diamond. Now, I remote, wrote this. I'm looking back in 1983. This was from, see, this is what this book is about. It was a collection of writings over my life and some new writings. And then I wrote, Judaism is both more or less than a religion, both more and less than a people. Surely not a land and certainly not a way of life. It is more than a religion when mere observant observance is transcended and seen for the God-binding acts they are. That's interesting. The rituals designed to bind us through the chakras and shekinahs. It is less than a religion when dumb unthinkingness refuses to budge from its shelled camouflage. Hey, is that still true, right? Dumb unthinkingness. It is more than a people. It is many peoples from Yemenites, brown and hue, to Nordic-looking Germans. It is less than a people when the world or inner imbalance drives us to a collective act of madness. It is more than a land. It is many lands, but beyond the geographical naturalism. Wandering and worrying, I sat in my car in the rain, parked up a San Francisco hill, looking back down Grant Avenue through the raindrop mirror. I heard the thought, where am I? What am I doing here? I used to be so sure of my place and direction. Soon after would follow this rejoinder. Didn't we all? The lights of a city created and creating a sense of place. Today we belong to this place, yesterday to that, and tomorrow to the worlds of the deathless moons. And then I ended that little piece with, from the muck of worldly passion springs the pure enlightenment, Dharma. That's stuff I wrote in 1983. It was the beginning of a book I was writing about. I never published that book, but pieces of that book wound up in God, Faith, and Reason. So as I say, my book, God, Faith, and Reason, is a collection of writings over my whole life, memories, dreams, and reflections, as it were, and writings. I think we can pause with a few more comments from the team, and I can continue this on my own over the weekend when you people are doing something other than suffering, listening to me. Um, Talk. I wanted to comment about Jerry Falwell, that in the book of John, in the New Testament, um, Jesus is speaking with this woman at the well. She's a Samaritan woman. She's not Jewish, and she's living in adultery. 
And Jesus says to her, God is a spirit. And those that worship me, worship me in spirit and in truth. And I think what Brian was talking about, how people, we see what's happening in the world. We see what's happening in America. And I think that we've lost what is truth. And as you were saying, there's Native Americans who had never heard of the word Jesus and never heard the word Hebrew God, that they did worship some types of spirits. They had a code of morality. Uh, oh, yes. We, we oh, have a um, strict code of morality. Yes. Yeah. And I think that inherently God is truth. I mean, I happen to be a Christian and I do believe, you know, in Christ. Um, but I think that it's a little bit more fluid than perhaps, as you said, people making it out to be a hardcore, hardline theocracy. Mm. Interesting. I think all people on earth, except our fallen people here in the world of today, where there's mayhem, especially the wildlings in the streets of America who are beating up old women, breaking into stores with impunity. That's what laws were created for, to rein in the animal, the animals. I mean, without law and police, what we have is what we have now in America because of the defund the police movement and the insanity of these district attorneys who have taken the side of the criminals, not the victims, taken the side of crime, not law. Not, uh, there's no punishment for any of the crimes. The university has become cesspools of garbage, of just cesspools, because there's no, there's no reason anymore. There's no godliness. You know, so we've lost truth in the universities. The university was originally created to seek truth. Now they're seeking doxy. You believe in the LGBTQ. You believe a woman is a man, a man is a woman, or we're throwing you out of the citadel of truth we define the truth in animal farm we're living in very very dark and dangerous times and i have to bring it right back to politics you know the last podcast we did was called the senile mussolini and how joe biden is deliberately destroying america make no mistake about it he is doing this by design he's ripping this country to pieces and I, I would be remiss not to even bring this up right now. And you have to ask yourself, if there is a God, why is he letting America be destroyed from within? You would argue that because we deserve it, because we've walked away from God, we've become an amoral nation, we're getting what we deserve. We've become Sodom and Gomorrah. And God is saying, good, now go to hell. You deserve it. Goodbye, I'm out of here. Elvis has left the theater. I mean, there are countless universes. You know, I was watching a show the other day. I was just knocked out of the park by this science show. I don't know what it was about. It was about the launching of the telescope. We had the Hubble telescope. This one is like a thousand times more powerful. Um, you know the one I'm talking about that was just launched a million miles from Earth? The Webb. The Webb, James Webb. And I was shocked watching the development of how, to, how these geniuses, these engineers and scientists, put this mirror together and folded it up like an origami inside a capsule and put it on a rocket and flew it into space and then opened the mirrors up in space with computers from America, from here. I was just stunned. I, I chills up my spine because all I see in the news is the lowest form of humanity. You know, harlots, is exhibiting their bodies and men who are worthless and 
I don't never see the scientists anymore. Well, there they were. So we launched this telescope into space. They did with the greatest geniuses of our time in, in technology. And now we're viewing things. And what do they find? Thousands of universes that they never knew existed. I, I don't know. So we're, and with, with solar systems in these universes, right? I think we're on the verge of, of something new on this planet. Or it's a burned out planet. God gave us Eden. And this species called man destroyed what God gave him. Destroyed each other violate, by violating his laws. He gave you the laws. He didn't tell you to put tefillin on. He didn't tell you to do certain rituals. He just gave you the big ten. And we can't follow them? Then screw you. It's not that hard. But I'll end this by saying when I was a young guy, I went on a ship to Europe, a big trip to Europe. It's in one of my journals. and It was a troop ship that had been converted to a passenger line, the waterman, the MV, the motor vessel waterman. And it was a summer. And I took my big trip to Europe in 1963 with a group of my friends. What fun we had. We stayed up all night drinking and smoking. I don't know. I don't think we had marijuana on the boat. I don't know. But we drank all night and slept during the day. We just, it was a crazy trip. It was so much fun. But they put us in a cabin, like six to a cabin. And in one of the cabins, in these bunk beds, there were five young guys and one old man. He must have been, I don't know, he was old. He looked old. And he was blind, semi-blind. And he stayed in the cabin all the time. And I was the kind of, you know, thoughtful kid, the introvert, at times who would stop partying and go down and talk to the old man to learn something. And I remember looking at him. And I was always looking for the deeper meaning. And I'd say to him, I'll make it like, old man, what is the meaning of life? And I thought he'd give me the meaning of life. And he looked up at me with his unblinking blue eyes. And he said, the meaning of life? The meaning of life? He says, well, we're born holding it and we die holding it, I guess. I think I'll conclude this chapter at that point. <laughs> that was the wisdom I got on the motor vessel Waterman on my big trip to Europe. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Now, during the team meeting, we talked about an interview I did a few years ago with Reverend Jerry Falwell. May he rest in peace. And I think it's a perfect place to replay this interview because we had a discussion, which really was an argument about can people other than Christians go to heaven? We searched our archives and you're very lucky because I have it for you right now. Without further ado, from March of 2005, here is my infamous interview with Reverend Jerry Falwell on the Michael Savage podcast. With us right now is a great defender of everything that I believe in, and that's Reverend Jerry Falwell. Reverend, welcome to the Savage Nation. So happy to have you with us. Well, thank you, good friend, for inviting me back. I'd like to discuss the passion with you. The message I have of what the crucifixion means, and it's not, it's, to be honest with you, Reverend, I never really thought about what the crucifixion means, you know. But after the movie, I've been forced to ask myself, what does the crucifixion mean? And to me, it means if you crucify others, you crucify yourself. Does that hold any water with you, that analysis? Certainly can be an interpretation, but the ultimate um, uh, uh, meaning of the cross is that God so loved the world, everyone in it, black, white, red, yellow, Jew, Gentile, rich, poor, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Christ, to die on that cross, to pay our sin debt in full forever, 
And only perfect God, perfect man, and one person could do that. Well, here's the part I don't understand. How could, how could Jesus have died for all man's sins for all time when such evil exists? Does that exonerate them? That exonerates a child rapist? Because, first of all, he is uh, uh, the Son of God and God the Son, perfect man, perfect God. Theologians refer to him as the God-man. And because he is the God-man, he was able to take upon himself, only God could do that, in a... Uh, in an efficacious way, the sins of everyone from Adam to the last person that shall ever be born upon this earth, past, present, future. And when he said, it is finished on the cross, uh, it, uh, it meant just that. I have paid the debt in full. I have satisfied my heavenly Father. My blood is shed. I have risen now from the dead, alive forevermore. And all who trust me have everlasting life. But what I don't understand in that theological viewpoint is, does that wipe away other people's sins? Well, uh, he, 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 I put it this way. The death of Christ is sufficient to save all men everywhere. It is efficient to save only those who believe and receive him. So can a non-Christian be saved? Not unless you trust Christ. I, the, the John five twenty four: he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life, but the wrath of God abides upon him. One must receive Christ. That's not anti-Semitic. It's not anti-Gentile. There are many Baptists who have not received Christ. They may be church members and have been baptized, but have never personally received the atonement. Christ's death, burial, resurrection for our sins as Lord and Savior. It's a person. Wait a minute, but what, what you said is only those who have received Christ can be uh, received. And that, that is the teaching of Scripture, that Christ died for all men. But in that, but in that sense, uh, Christianity would be very, very exclusive of all other religions, wouldn't it? Well, it's, it's inclusive in that God so loved everyone in the world and wants no one to go to hell. He sent His only begotten Son to die for us. It is exclusive in that those who reject him, who do not believe upon him, who do not receive him, are lost. So then the Jews are lost, the Muslims are lost, the Buddhists are lost, and the Hindus are lost by that view. Baptists, Catholics, Methodists, anyone. Uh, church membership is not enough. Baptism is not enough. Good works is not enough. The Scripture said it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy have he saved us. Well, I, we'd have to disagree on that theological viewpoint because I certainly can't exclude the billions of people who are decent people who have never hurt anybody, in fact, who have done good, who are not receiving Christ, who are still decent people. Well, if, if it were good works, uh, you'd be right. But uh, it, unfortunately, not all of our, the Scripture says it this way, all our righteousness is as filthy rags. That is, it, man cannot do enough. To satisfy a holy God, Christ came and in his own death, burial, resurrection, paid the sin debt in full forever for everyone. All we need to do is believe on him, trust in him. But the fact is, he made it clear for him uh, for all time that all we like sheep have gone astray. Romans uh, 6.23. All we like sheep have gone astray. Uh, Isaiah 53.6. But the Lord hath laid on him, Christ, the iniquity of us all. We all are sinners, all need a new birth, all need an experience, a personal one with Christ, and that is what uh, Calvary is, and that's what the empty tomb is. 
Well, again, it's kind of exclusive of other religions, and we'll let it go with that. I don't mean to challenge your faith. I just don't thoroughly accept that viewpoint uh, at all, because I'd have to say that all Jews are not evolved, all Muslims are not evolved, all Buddhists are not evolved, all Hindus and all fallen people. I mean, all non-religious people, but I can't accept that because I've seen uh, religious people who are pure evil, and I've seen non-religious people who are pure good. I mean, just as a human being, Reverend, we can't say that everyone who's not a Christian is not a full person, can we? Well, uh, religion is not enough. There, there are many religious people who call themselves Christians or whatever, but religion is not enough. There's got to be a personal relationship with Christ, the Son of God, and God the Son through the new birth and through believing in and accepting his death in our behalf, his resurrection on our behalf. It is a personal experience, the new birth it's called. And again, many Jews have received Christ. Uh, many Protestants have received Christ. It uh, has nothing to do with color or ethnic or religion. Well, well, what do you mean by many Jews have received Christ? You mean by converting to Christianity? By receiving uh, many Messianic Jews uh, all over the world, thousands of them. And uh, But wait, what about the millions of Jews who don't accept Jesus? Are they lesser people? Is that what you're saying? Protestants. And it uh, it is not that God has condemned anybody. God has offered through his son salvation to everyone. We are the ones who reject him. Well, let's leave it at that. I, ter- I, I can't accept that viewpoint because if I do, it means that everybody else is lesser than a, than a received Christian. Uh, and that sounds very much like the, the limitations of Islam, who say that unless you follow my way, uh, you, unless you follow the way of Allah, you know, you have to be converted. You see, this is the theological bind uh, that that kind of extremism puts us in, Reverend. Well, that is the message of the Bible. It's the message of uh, the four Gospels. It's it's the eternal message of Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me, John fourteen six. Well, we'll let it go with that because I respect you as a man and as a religious man. I just don't accept that theological viewpoint, frankly. But I, I really do appreciate you taking the time. Reverend Falwell for being with us on The Savage Nation. Well, that was quite an exciting conversation. It didn't go where the Reverend thought it would go, nor where I thought it would go. We're now hearing what? That Jews and Methodists and Muslims and Buddhists are not full people because they haven't accepted Christ? This is an amazing statement. It's unacceptable to me. You see, I don't see the world that way, and I've said that to you before. I, I may as well tell you how I see the world if you want to know one man's opinion. And don't think I'm holding myself up as some expert. But in my travels around the world, I have met good people and bad people in all faiths and in none faiths. I've met good people of every race and bad people of every race. I've met good gay people and I've met bad gay people. I've met good straight people and bad straight people. We know that, but I have to repeat that. But I also see the religion in this way, and I, I've said, I've written this up 30 years ago. I see all of the world's religions as equal, by, by the way, because I don't want to deny the other man's view of the world in order to have my own view of the world. I don't think it's necessary for me to say the other man isn't as complete as me because he doesn't practice my, my route to God. If you imagine a wheel, and if you imagine the hub of the wheel, and draw the circles for now in your head, I don't care if you're in a car, draw a big circle, that's the outside of the wheel, and draw a little circle, that's the inside of the wheel. The inside of the wheel is the hub, and that hub is God. That's the center of the wheel of the universe where God exists. And out of that hub, there arise spokes to hold the outside of the wheel, and each of those spokes is a religion. 
And there may be five or six principal religions on earth, Christianity, Judaism, Buddhism, Hinduism, and Islam. And to me, the five major religions of the world are the five spokes of the wheel of man. And these five spokes all lead mankind to the center, and that is God. Now, if you want to make me a prophet for saying that, then make me a prophet, because maybe the world needs someone to say that we can all be equal. We do not need to exclude the other man because he practices a different religion. That's how Michael Savage sees it. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and you'll learn something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.